Well, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, This isn't actually the episode itself. This is me just chiming in because number one, I got the introduction to this episode so wildly wrong that I actually think you would start to notice it. This is episode number 127. And for some reason, my brain thought that that meant 28. So when you listen to me introducing the episode, just know you've not gone back in time. This isn't number 28. You're not listening to a new podcast. We are in fact on 127. So that was the first reason I wanted to chime in. And the second reason that I want to chime in is because I've got something really exciting to share with you. I am ramping up, is that the right word? Prepping for, excited to, about to, whatever phrase you wanna use, host the next round of my signature marketing program, Selling When You're Service Based. And I've seen people doing these challenge launches left, right and center, and I was like, hey, I think it's about time I had a bit of fun with the launch and jumped onto that bandwagon. So I'm well and truly on said bandwagon and hosting a free five-day challenge in the week commencing the 21st of September called The Strategy to Sell. It is gonna act as a taster for my group program, but let me tell you, it is gonna be so packed with expertise and focused on you taking action, which is just what I am about. So if you're service-based, whether you have an online presence or you're starting from scratch, if you feel like your marketing could be more effective in selling your services, this is a challenge for you. Like I said, it is free, it's gonna be great, there's gonna be hundreds of us in there, so I will leave the link at the top of the show notes if you wanna join in. It begins on the 21st of September, so if you're listening to this in the future, sup, very sorry, you didn't get in, but you know, I hope there's flying cars. But if you're listening to this before the 21st of September, get yourself in there, it's gonna be great, I'm so excited, I'll see you there. And now I'm gonna let you get on with the episode and in a few seconds time, hear me royally screw up the intro to the episode, so enjoy. Well, welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to episode number 28 of Starting the Conversation. I'm your host, Alice Benham, here with this week's co-host, who's a returner to the podcast, so it truly is a welcome back, Elizabeth Styles. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> Hi. This is so weird. Like, every time we've recorded in the past, we've, like, been sat right next to each other, and now we're on I know. It's just so much easier. So much easier. We've, we've realised. Yes. I mean, I do miss yes. sitting on your living room floor with Vinny, somewhere in the room pulling some form of a face. You always have good snack game as well. So I do miss that. I do. I think we've got very similar eight-year-old children. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm glad I'm not the only one because I feel like most of the work circles that I'm in, it's just a known fact of like, where are we going to go eat? And it's like, everyone looks at me like, we're going to have to find somewhere chilly. So it's nice <laughs> to have someone in my corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that was like when I invited you to dinner and you said, where do you want to go? I was like, Ikea? <laughs> we literally had meatballs and chips. <laughs> or when I came to your house and you had pre-prepared Caesar salad with no dressing and I just thought, this woman, she knows me, she gets me. I was yeah. very appreciative. What, it was a bag of lettuce <laughs> and a, a packet of chicken. That's what, that's what Alice wants. That's what I'm going to call it a Caesar salad, but many people vote it should be a chicken salad because apparently what makes it a Caesar salad is everything I don't have. But that's yeah. debate for another day. I remember last time you yeah, came exactly. on the podcast, we really cut the people in two with the <laughs> yeah. Bourbons versus custard cream question. <laughs> <laughs> it was 50-50 on yours and then exactly 50-50 mm-hmm. on mine. And then I think we did it for the third time, lucky. And then that's when uh, that's when I picked the post, 51 to 48. I was like, and I followed through. I Amazoned you some, was it, which, what she was did. your vote? Custard creams? 
yeah, yeah, send them through. Do you find there's a few polls like that though? Like anytime I do the vote of, do you say scone or scone? Do you put cream on top or jam mm. on top? It always seems to be so close. 50 yeah. 50, yeah. Cuts people time. down the middle. Anyway, you know the drill, yeah. high, low. So I'll let you start us off. What do you want to be in with, your high or your low? I'm going to go with the high. Great. And I'm currently mid-promotion. I'm sure when this goes out, it will be closed um, because it closes. <laughs> I don't think this episode's going to be going out before this evening. <laughs> <laughs> Alice works quickly, but not Emily, that how are we feeling about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyone... I'm sure lots of people listening to this sell things. It it is a roller coaster selling. It it's like when the sales come in, the highs are high, and when they go a little bit quiet, mm-hmm. the lows are very very dark. So the high has been like obviously the sales have come in. Like Sophie French and I, who run it together, have just been so excited. We've been going live every day, like feeling it. But we know, like, so that's the high. And then the low is that we know people are going to sign up on the last day. Everybody signs up on the last Mm -hmm. day. But your mind has just got to be so strong knowing that they are going to sign up and just trust the system. Like, every person who's ever run a course knows that everyone signs up on the last day. But every time we do it, we forget. And we're just like, are they going to sign up? Are we going to sign up? (laughs) Um, But they will. I know they they will. It's so true that like, obviously the practicality of launching is huge and there's a lot to learn. But once you've got that, Mm. the mental side is massive because you've got to keep talking and pushing and speaking when you feel like you've taken up too much space, you've annoyed yourself, no one's giving you any evidence that says that they're interested. And you, exactly (laughs) like you said- just got to keep going (laughs) even for you to say that when you have the previous evidence to know that that's the case it's almost a it's refreshing to know that second time around you still have to push through those feelings I think it's easy to look at what you see from a launch and think oh my gosh they're so good at it they just show up and it's so easy like man (laughs) launching takes it out of you it is Yeah, I've had two friends that have launched courses since I did mine and they were like, okay, you didn't let me know how much of a head fuck this Mm -hmm. is. (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, I might have have left that bit out. Yeah, I'm just about to go into kind of the early stages of launch and I'm trying to do so much mental preparation of just like, okay, almost like coming to terms with what I'm about to have to go through. And that probably sounds really dramatic, Mm. but it is so (laughs) mentally, it's such an experience. And like you said, there's such highs and there's such lows. And I don't know if that ever changes. I think I'm like five launches in and it it gets worse every time because the stakes are higher. (laughs) I guess if you're aware of it, it's less of a like, oh my gosh, what is this? But like, okay, the wave is going to come. It's all right. It's not a red flag. It's coming. It's just the wave. The wave is coming. For sure. But I think also, like you said, you do put that pressure on yourself to make it better and better Mm. every time. And so it's like, it's got to be better than the last time. And it's like, does it? Like, it's different circumstances, different timings. Like, the last time we did it, we had it open for three weeks. This time we've got it open for five days. Like, it's a completely different price. It's, I don't know, it's just, it doesn't always have to be better, but... Yeah, I think that's the business owner in in us though, isn't it? That's always like, oh, yeah. even when people clap you and go, oh, you must be so proud. You're like, yeah, yeah, thanks. But in the back of your head, you know, could have done that better or next time I'll do that. I think that's what keeps us going because if we ever felt like we'd ticked the box and done it, why would you show up the next day to do the next thing? 
Exactly. It's just like, oh, I've completed mm. it. And I think that's such a good point you've made there as well of how people buy and launches. I think if you've got mm. unlimited spaces, it's so true that you get a peak of sales on day one to two and then the final peak yeah. on that final day. I've had clients where they mm-hmm. have, you know, two, three sales on day one, no sales for a week, and then 10 on that final day. And that's exhausting because you've got to spend a week talking, pushing, promoting when there is nothing that's telling you that you're doing the right thing. But, and it's, it's <laughs> also good to know, like you're selling something which is about self-belief and you're having to push through the need for self-belief. Like none of us are exempt from mm-hmm. finding launching a lot. Do you know what was also hard is that we tell people how to sell things. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you're telling people your tactics and then I have in my head, like, can they just see that I'm using these ways of selling? Can they see (laughs) through me? And then my Uh self-belief goes and it's like this whole system. But yeah, and it's also that thing of if you're selling something which is kind of about selling something, the way that you sell it is what sells it. I know that sounds really weird, but like when I did a program on launching, I was like, people will want to do this program if this launch goes well, but the launch needs to go well for people to, it's like the weirdest, you can get yourself in such (laughs) a weird headspace, can't you, if you really let yourself spiral? Yeah, because I'm gonna do another one on um, content and how to move people from like, from following into buying. And I was like, my content has got to be so Mm -hmm. good. (laughs) It's got to be so on point to create a content course. But that's again for another Mm. day. That's the next thing. Give yourself the weekend off before you start thinking about that one. (laughs) What about your high-low? I had two very surface level high-lows prepared. Um, I'll quickly share them, but I think having heard your high-low and you being a few weeks on, like you're going to be where you're at is me in three weeks time. So I feel like my (laughs) high-low is like echoing yours, but just knowing that it's coming is probably how I feel. So the total (laughs) excitement for the launch, realistic, you know, we wouldn't do it if we didn't love it, but also the awareness Mm. that it's going to be a lot. So that's my kind of proper business high-low. My surface level high-low would be my lowest that I've realized straight after this, I'm being interviewed and I've put no makeup on this morning. And I'm not saying that people- Oh, you look gorgeous. I appreciate that. And I'm not saying I look bad or that people need to wear makeup, but it's just a personal thing. You know, if I'm if I'm being showcased on someone else's screen, I'd prefer to be my best self. So we'll see how quick <laughs> yeah. this recording goes and I'm gonna have to go like, throw something on my face. And now we're done. Yeah, bye Elizabeth, no <laughs> confession session, see you later. Um, and then my high would be that, again, so not business related and surface level, I've just discovered the joy, and I know people are gonna say I'm about five years late on this, of Lidl and Audi. Having, obviously, now being what? an adult, I have to buy food, and I didn't- Five years, I'd say about 10. <laughs> well, I've been to them before, but like, I've never done a food shop before. And rookie, rookie error, one day into living here, go to Tesco, just running around the shop, putting whatever in, obviously costs a ridiculous amount. I was like, how do people talk about spending like 20, 30 pounds a week on food? Like, I don't even know what I've just bought and it's about triple that. And then found myself in a little the other day. Wow. When they said the price at the checkout, I thought, sorry, pardon me? How cheap? (laughs) So I'm just living in, in that excitement, really. I would also give you a little tip on the food shop that the, obviously the first one is always worse, but then I find I alternate between a 20 to 30 pound shop and then the next one has to be like 60 and then the next one can be like 20 okay. to 30 and then it goes up again. So 
it's not 20 to 30 every week. That's good to know. I find. I appreciate hearing that. Mm. Because I think I follow it, like a couple of my close friends are quite good with money and frugal. And I mean, I'm good with money if I have to be, but if you you give me money to spend, it's going to be spent. So (laughs) I'm I'm spending it. It's big spent. I'm going to get the nice hummus. Literally. (laughs) And there's also like certain things that you have to spend money on, like Mm -hmm. hummus. And then other things you can totally scrimp on, like custard cream. That's very true. I do think cheap biscuits, they are doing very well for themselves. Good one. (laughs) Why are people putting (laughs) expensive biscuits out there? Unless it's a Viennese, whatever it's called, well. Correct. Well. 10 yes. out of or 10. fingers. Yeah. Back, yeah. back to biscuit chat. <laughs> this is so hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many times are we going to mention this? little biscuits? bingo game. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation starter because I feel like it's basically what we would be talking about if we were to just catch up, which is long overdue. Yeah. Since we last properly, I think, even caught up. I mean, this year, I don't even know what's happened this year. I don't, I'm, I'm willing to not talk about it. <laughs> And especially since we did the podcast episode, like our businesses have changed really drastically and dramatically in a very positive way. I hope I speak for both of us with saying that. Um, And I feel like for both of us, it's looked completely different. But what we've done over the last year in very different ways is scaled our service-based businesses. And I thought it might be interesting to talk a bit more about that, what that's looked like for us, how it went, how it's going, challenges, unexpected things, you know, all of the honesty along the way. So let's begin with a bit of context can you give us kind of a comparison? Where was your business about a year ago and where is your business now? So that people can understand what I mean when I say scaling and what, and what that looks like for you. Okay, I've got a fun story. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> about a year ago, um, yeah, I think it was about a year, was when I hosted a networking event and one person turned up. Was that only a year ago? I think so. It might have been about 18 months ago, but yeah, between then and there. And yeah, that that Mm -hmm. happened. (laughs) Um, It was very disheartening. I could have cried. I had so many people saying they were going to come. We did it in a really cool event space. It was in East London. It was very trendy. Everyone was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be there. I'll be there. And um, it was a friend from my old work who was hosting it. And it was almost like, to me, like, oh, this is how well I'm doing Mm. now, you know, that I'm going to have all these people that have come. I'd say about 50 to 60 people said they would come, right? One person turned up. And she is now my favourite person on the planet. (laughs) Yeah, you'll be forever, forever in debt. Forever in debt to her, yes. Um, but then on the way home, e- even though it was really disappointing, like, and also um, I went to Tesco to buy some beers and bought alcohol-free beers by accident. So it was literally the saddest party <laughs> As if ever. the day can't get just worse. Just to top it off. <laughs> yeah, just mm-hmm. to top it off. And, but then I, when I realised I went home, the girls from my old work had never met uh, Catherine and Joe that I did the, pod- the event with. And all four of those girls had never met Caro, who was the one that came. So it was only me that knew everybody, but to everybody else, it was actually a networking event. And I was just like, oh, okay, well, that's great that I've pulled all of these people together. And since then, like, um, Caro and Joe have done a live together. And also 
Catherine has bought something from the event space that we ran. So it was totally worth it. But just when I was sat there at the time, I was like, I want to like crawl into a small mm-hmm. hole and never be seen mm-hmm. again. But then I was just like, I've got to address it. Like I went on live the next day and just like burst out laughing. I was like, you'll never guess what's happened. <laughs> and just told it how it was. Like I was like, uh, that's why I kind of hate the fake it till you make it thing. And I was like, let's just say one person turned up because we had such a fun yeah. time. And what a story to have now as well. Like I'm sure at the time I can just imagine all of those feelings, but to have, yeah, like watching the door every five mm. minutes that somebody's going to walk in and it was horrible, but... To have it as a reference point now is so powerful because often yes. you hear people say, don't you? Like, oh, it's not always been this way. Like the business, you know, really took off a, a year or two in. Like, you know, there was a good few years of struggle. And I think if you mm. don't always see the evidence of that, it's hard, It's easy to kind yeah. of kid yourself that it didn't exist and just think, well, everyone else just starts and is this roaring success. And like you said, that mm. was a success, but it, yeah. it's, it's a good example to have. Totally. I've also gotten, like, I won't go into detail about it, but like about two, three years ago, I tried to host a vision board workshop as well. And tried to is the ultimate <laughs> phrase there that I couldn't sell it. Like I could not sell the tickets to it. There was no one that wanted this mm. workshop. I don't know if it was like too early, maybe that people were a bit like, what? I'm just going to pay to come and make a mood board. I don't get it. But I was also talking about like visualization and manifesting and all of that kind of stuff. But I just didn't have the skills to sell that. I didn't, I wasn't talking about it enough. Like nobody knew me for that. So why would anyone pay me for that? Mm-hmm. Like there was so many things wrong with it in hindsight, but yeah, I've, I've tried. To, I mean, that, that was a win that one person showed up. This was like, no one uh-huh. showed up. So yeah, I've definitely, I think I've learned this year about resilience mm. that I have I have it but I didn't know mm. I had it. and your business is such an example of that because if you fast forward to now or even I guess if you look at maybe kind of your services and income this time last year am I right in thinking that it was all primarily one-on-one coaching one-to-one. and now it's yeah, super diverse group programs collaborations with other business owners and definitely not only having one person showing up <laughs> to things and buying things no. <laughs> the numbers are doing good the numbers are good yeah yeah I'd say it's literally like flipped the other way that I mean I'm very open with how much it's taken so like at this time last year I was probably making like three grand mm-hmm. a month and last month I made 20 so it's um it's, it's not it's been shabby. a year it's been a year <laughs> yeah and actually that would be pretty similar kind of like numbers comparison within my business of last year to this year. Mm. And again, similar to you of this time last year, just offering, or I think pretty much just offering, it was the main thing I did one-on-one coaching. For me, there was a definite moment. I don't, you know, it's not as clear as like, oh, I remember where I was sat and what I was wearing. But I remember really clearly having this moment last August of, oh damn, like this business cannot really scale with the current model that I have, because as we know, time is Mm. limited. One-on-one coaching is fantastic. It's amazing, but there's some cons there, which most of the cons are that it's not super scalable, but not just in terms of income, but also in terms of impact and the number of people you can work with and, you know, the amount that you can actually do as a business. Was that the same for you? Has it been more of a, oh, upon reflection, you know, I've really diversified or was it quite an intentional thing when you realise that? 
Mine was because of lockdown. So I just assumed every single client I had was going to cancel on me. Um, Love that mindset. Actually, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, talk about self-belief, right? Um, And I just just went into panic mode. I cancelled every single like subscription I ever had. I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen. So let's prepare for the worst, but let's not actually like think the worst so let's see how it goes one of them cancelled like to be like she was a hairdresser she couldn't work like she was just like I've got no income it's got to like go on hold and I said obviously that's fine um but then nobody else did and I was just like oh my god this is so lovely that everybody still wants this guidance at a time like in hindsight it's obvious of course they need that they they want their business to keep running they've gone into panic mode and were looking to me for mm. guidance and I was like okay I need to get my stuff together so then I carried on working with them and then I noticed that pe- a lot of people had been put on furlough not everybody but you know a, a lot of people had so they were still getting paid but they had lots of time yeah. on their hands and it was so refreshing to see because I'm big on like creative people making money like lockdown was the ultimate in creative people thinking how can I make this my Mm. living and even not even a living just like tie-dyeing in their garden or like getting puzzles out and stuff and it's like when the world is coming to an end it was so nice that everyone wanted to get creative and where sometimes in a normal world in inverted commas creativity can sometimes be eye-rolled at like it's not that serious or it's like I don't know it's just, yeah it's just not necessarily taken that seriously I don't think but when it comes to like yeah the world as we thought was coming to an end that's the first thing people want to do and so I thought okay I wonder if I could pull together this course that I'd had kind of floating around my head for ages and ages I was like got into bed literally back of a fag pack <laughs> wrote on this scrap of paper week one two three and four what would it cover and just went on instagram the next day and was like, i'm gonna do this would anybody be interested here's a link like drop your email in didn't even look at the link and about a week later there was about 50 people on this list and i was like what (laughs) (laughs) now i need to do Mm -hmm. something and so yeah that that's kind of how it started i love that Yours was kind of similar, was it? You were like, "This like a thing. It's going to yeah. be six weeks. I'm going to call it a six-week thing. <laughs> I'm call it a six-week yes. thing. <laughs> yeah, I think similar to you, it's, it, for me, it's been very organic. I, I feel like that's kind of how I see business at its best. You know, I didn't sit down and think, okay, you know, the biggest bottleneck in my business is me. I can't just do one-on-one coaching. What's the next step? Let's be strategic. I kind of had that in the back of my head of like, ooh, this is quite an unsustainable business model, isn't it? You know, (laughs) like we're saying at the start, what we kind of love about what we do is how there's constantly more that you can do and more that you can achieve. And I didn't feel that way with the business model that I had because as soon as you're fully booked with coaching, the only route you can go down is charging more. And there's a point where that becomes uncomfortable and not the right amount of money. Did you think that you always wanted to be fully booked, but then you were, it actually felt Mm -hmm. very like... And then 
I was going to say suffocating, but that sounds dramatic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. <laughs> or just very limiting. And I was like, all I want is to be fully booked. And then I was fully booked. I was like, this is awful. Uh-huh. Like, I'm saying no to so many people. This doesn't yeah, feel nice. And I used to look at people that were fully booked and I really over-glamorized this idea of being booked with yeah. clients. I would look at... Um, I don't know if you know of Jen Carrington, but she used to, not mm-hmm. that she's not now, but I just used to consume a lot of her content. And she would always talk about being booked, you know, three to six months in advance. And I would see those numbers and just think, wow, if you have that, you must feel so secure. You mustn't worry about anything. You know, your business must be yeah. such a dream to Fine. run, right? And then I was in that position. And I'm so careful about how we say this, because if the past me heard two people saying that being fully booked with clients was suffocating and awful. I'd literally be like, sit down, I hate you. But it it was that, it was suddenly this feeling of like, this is this thing that I've always wanted. I've got it. Oh, I'm not fulfilled because there's, I now I'm limited. You know, I'm now on calls Mm. three days a week and I don't have any time to push the business to the next level and do the next thing. So it was definitely a good few months of just feeling that feeling and not really knowing what to do with it. And I'm a big believer in, you know, don't do something for the sake of it. I'd always said, I'm not just going to do a course because that's what you do when you're a coach. You bring out a course and you can, you know, there's podcast episodes where I'm like, I'm never ever going to run courses because they don't feel good for me. Uh, Same. Yeah, I was very resistant Mm. to it. And I think like at the time that resistance was legitimate. And then suddenly quite similar to you, but obviously different circumstances, things just clicked into place. I remember I was sat in Anando's and I was suddenly like, well, I guess something I always talk about in coaching is how to sell your services. So maybe that's a framework that I could take out of coaching and do in a group. And maybe it would be a group coaching program and maybe it would be six weeks. And I began talking about this six week thing. Two weeks later, it was launched. First one in January, next one coming up. See you guys there, link in the description. (laughs) Um, But yeah, quite an organic thing which answered a question that the business had, but it wasn't like a, oh, I need to sit down and figure out how I scale. It kind of just came to life. And I think that's when things are the best fit, right? So like with you, when you brought out that course or program, it was so successful because it was what just naturally felt like the next step for you and what people wanted from you as well. Yeah, I think I, I was resistant to it because I didn't want to do it for the sake of it, like Mm. you said. But then I think a really good course is born out of having a million conversations with clients saying the same thing over and over and over again. And you're like, okay, this is a common Mm. problem. But you don't know what the common problems are until you have had those same conversations with people. And it's like, I do think I got to the point where I wasn't teaching it properly anymore because I was kind of bored of Mm -hmm. saying it and so then I would kind of like brush over it maybe rather than going into detail because I was this this sounds awful but I was just like I can't say this again (laughs) um about talking it was about your brand values and your mission statement and having Uh a purpose as a business and I was like I, I don't know how many times I can say this again like with enthusiasm but if I only have to say it three times a year to a hundred people at a time then fantastic because then they all start sharing their mission statements in the group and giving each other feedback. That's like even more valuable. Yes, I think. I'm so glad you've said that because I feel the same way. You know, actually, yeah. if someone were to pay me to do what I do in the six-week thing in a one-on-one setting, they'd need to be 
paying me. I like I, I don't know that the price point that I would charge at would be something I'd agree to purely because yeah, same. It, I think to be at your best as a service-based business when you're selling you know your brain and your words you've got to feel excited to share it and you've got to want to share it and if that feeling begins to go I think that's quite a dangerous thing because yeah that's when you know people can tell when you're just saying something because you need to say it and I'd really agree as well with what you said of I think you don't really know what to do as your kind of passive or semi-passive income until you've done the stuff I wonder if people starting their businesses out now, you know, they hear all these conversations from us, you know, three, four, five years in saying, oh, you need passive income, you need to diversify, you need to be more sustainable. Actually, if I'd heard that message when I started, that wouldn't have been helpful because I all I knew mm. was that I could coach. I didn't, I didn't have the idea for the six week thing. I didn't have the idea for my, you know, on it, the retreat, any of that. And I don't think I would have come up with anything good if until I'd coached for no. two years and I was able to reflect on it, I had to try and come up with that from the outset. So it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because yeah. you kind of got to go, well, I know it's going to come, but I, I'm not kind of going to release control of how and when it happens. But that's, I guess, when you then have to let yourself be quite reactive and not pin yourself into like, this is exactly what I'm going to do in the next two years, but just be like, okay, we'll wait and see till the right thing comes around and then let yourself explore it. Yeah, and I also think when you said about feeling really excited about it, that is the thing that sold the course mm-hmm. because I was so excited because I was going to prefix with this with like without sounding big headed, but like I'm self belief. <laughs> I know that course is, will be brilliant for you. I know it because I've worked with a hundred people literally saying this mm. thing and it has changed their business. So I was so excited to run it and that sheer enthusiasm I know Elliot the enthusiast talks about this about that is the thing that will sell that course is being excited about it you can't fake Mm -hmm. that I remember when I launched it somebody messaged me saying oh like what are you doing I feel like something's different at the moment and I just couldn't really put my finger on it and I just said I know it's good and I'm really excited to share it with people Mm. and that's all I can yeah. say. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, and there's nothing more practical than that. But that's what I do teach people as well is I keep coming back to this thing around like product plus audience does not equal sale. Mm-hmm. It's not as simple as that. There is so much more to it. And energy, however woo-woo that sounds, is a massive part of that equation. Yeah. No, fully. To tip someone over yeah. yeah whenever I talk about launching with clients I always talk about how energy and excitement are your two biggest things to harness and there's obviously yeah. you know there's so many ways that you can harness those two things but those aren't things that you can make up you can't force yourself I mean you can but I think it's pretty horrible It'll to do that to yourself back. yeah and people can see it you know you can't force that genuine and authentic energy and excitement and I think that's you know that stems into another conversation about how important it is to feel connected to your business all the time because I'm sh- you know I'm not going to sit here and pretend I wake up every morning thrilled to run this business <laughs> yeah. and I'm skipping into my office because I just can't wait but you know if in your gut you don't feel excited by something I genuinely think that's a huge red flag I'll let mm. my excitement for something be the biggest thing that makes me decide if I should pursue an idea or not 
obviously yeah, past same. the excitement there needs to be some questions of like <laughs> do we have time what's the money you know details yeah. but actually for me it doesn't even get past the point of idea if it doesn't feel exciting because if it doesn't yeah. feel exciting to you how are you going to make it feel exciting to other people yeah and I think the other thing I'd say on that is people have watched me sell my course and obviously I'm like singing and dancing and making a bit of a tit of myself most of the time <laughs> but I'm having fun and like the, the my ideal client will enjoy that and then some people might listen and think oh but I'm quite like a cool understated brand how do I put that excitement across when it's quite like cool mm-hmm. And that I had almost like two answers. Like you can still be really enthusiastic about it, but you don't have to be like bouncing around. You just would be sharing a, a ton of cool imagery and sharing the story of the brand. But then equally, I watched this IGTV. Her name's Danny, and she's like at Free Fanny on Instagram. And um, she was, I think she'd just gone on live because she had this like sheer spur of inspiration about the fact that you can't be cool and excited at the same time and I was like oh my god yes like why is it not cool to be excited about something I hate that and she said we've grown up watching films like Mean Girls and Never Been Kissed where the cool girls are really monotone and flat and don't get excited about anything. Mm -hmm. And then like the loser girl, it's the one that's like bouncing around really excited. Yeah. And she was like, that has got to change. Like I, I really dislike that. Why is it so sort of embarrassing to try hard at something or embarrassing to give it your all? Yeah. And I don't know. I just hate it. And I was just like, I so agree with you. I cannot agree with you more. And putting yourself out there is a huge thing of scaling your business because, you know, this time last year, sure, you know, our income and impact and everything else was capped, but I'd speak for myself and I'd say like, I was pretty comfortable. I'd kind of booked in. Yeah. I was, you know, the, the business was fine. Everything was going all right. I'd kind of got into my comfort zone. I hadn't really experienced for a good few months at least what it felt like to really be scared by something. And I yeah. remember when I first came up with the group program, I was like, oh, this is a feeling I haven't felt, you know, in a while. This Mm. is something new. And like you said, there's so much fear that comes along with scaling and pushing and doing the the next thing. And I think a huge part of that is like, oh, well, you know, what are people going to think? Who am I to do it? You know, or maybe it's easier just to stay where I am. Is that something that you felt? Yeah. Do you know Lucy Hitchcock? Yes. She said something on her stories the other day, which I keep coming back to. And she said, would you, do you feel happy or do you feel comfortable? And, and then she said, how do you want to feel? And most people felt comfortable, but wanted to feel happy. And I thought, oh, that's so interesting that the, the opposite to comfortable doesn't need to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It could be actually, it might, there are, blip to get to the other side but it doesn't feel like that all the time it doesn't mean pushing outside of your comfort zone feels uncomfortable 100% of the time it feels like this the transition might be uncomfortable for a short period but then you're happier yes and I would definitely agree with her theory yeah and you can be content with where you're at And you can be satisfied with the business you have and what you're doing, yet still be really desperate and keen and excited by what's possible. 
think that was a learning curve for me as well of like, oh, well, does constant, you know, does scaling mean that I'm suddenly, you know, not proud of what I've achieved and I'm not happy with it and I'm, you know, it's not good enough. And I was like, well, no, actually, it just means yeah. it's so great that I want to add to it and I'm excited. Yeah. It, it's the balance, isn't it? I think if the excitement of what you could gain or, you know, your want for what you could gain is suddenly more than your fear of what could go wrong or what people might think of you or, you know, any of those fears. I think as soon as that balance is shifted, that's when you start taking action. And yeah. I think it's good to acknowledge for both of us, we didn't wait to scale our businesses until that feeling passed. That feeling still yeah. exists for me. I'm a big believer in the quote of, you know, it's windier at the top, the higher up you get, the bigger it gets, the more there is to lose, the more terrifying it is. But if you wait for that feeling to pass, you're never going to start. You've just got to keep connecting yeah. back to, okay, you know, why am I doing it? Okay, yeah, cool. We can kind of yeah. put the blinkers on and ignore all those other feels going on. Exactly. And like I said earlier, my, my why is about ensuring creative people can make a living through that. And yes, I am like a fashion brand consultant and I've kind of niched myself into fashion because otherwise I would just be like another person selling a thing. And I think it it really is around like creativity and making sure that people earn a living. I really hate that idea of like when you're at school, you're a successful business person versus a poor starving artist. Mm. And that just Why never that really sat right with me. Yeah. And so when I did become fully booked, I was just like, but there's more people out there that need to make the money and they'd like live their creative life, which sounds cheesy, but that is it. That really is why I do mm. what I do. Yeah. And just on that point quickly, I don't know about yeah. you, but for me, once my business started making me enough money to, you know, not stress, which is a huge privilege, mm -hmm. you know, just to know yeah. there's regular money coming in, you know, I'm paying Emily, I'm paying taxes, I can pay my direct debits. Suddenly my, my why, and I, I think for most businesses, there's two whys, isn't there? There's the why for kind of you and then there's the why for others. Oh my God, you could do a whole podcast on this. I, right? Every time I get in the car, I keep thinking about this. So <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back Circle back. That. It was one of, the, it yes. was the first week actually we did on the step back and level up six week thing. And I think I said it, so like I said it quite blase like, and then the, all these comments came in and suddenly we made it the whole workshop. Cause so I was like, oh, like I didn't, I'd kind of forgotten that for me, that was such a revelation of like- Yeah, what's your one? My wife, others. Yeah. I don't know if it's as specific as yours. Cause I guess for me, like to help people just get closer to where they want to be and realize that they can do it on their terms yeah. and in their way. I really hate the narrative. Look at both of us just hating narratives in our industry. Yeah. That, you know, being successful and being value driven are seen as two different things. And you can either achieve success ah, or you yeah. can be value driven. And I just want to prove to people actually, you can build a really value driven business, which is, you know, whatever your values are kind, authentic, transparent, whatever, accessible, mm. and you can be super successful. So I think for yeah. me, it's it's trying to help people do that. And I definitely found, going back to what I was saying, as soon as my business was making me the money I needed it to make to, go, to get by, I no longer really cared that much about my why for me. Now scaling yeah, my business same. is all about my why for others. Because as you, as you pointed out there, when you reach a bottleneck, actually the bottleneck, the biggest bottleneck that's there is the impact that you can have. And when you're driven mm -hmm. by your why for others, that is 
infuriating because you've <laughs> yeah. got people sat there and it just didn't make any sense to me. I was like, I have people sat in my audience saying, hey, I want to work with you. I'd love to do something. With-. And I'm, I'm replying like, sorry, there's nothing. Like maybe no, see you in six horrible. months. And I was like, this makes six no sense. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Even like business brain aside, I was just like, I don't want to be in a place where I can't, I, I want my impact to be, what's the word? Endlessly possible. That's not, mm-hmm. what's the word for that? To be limitless. Sure. Yeah. The limit does not exist. Yes. <laughs> Definition of limitless. Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> I was also going to say on Amy Porterfield's podcast, mm. she gave me like massive reassurance that everybody's why starts from a very selfish point of view. Yes. Like, my why was that I wanted to spend more time with my mum and spend more time at home, be with my cat, <laughs> not get on the train every day, not work in London, not give my money to like these huge corporate businesses or like my time. Like I was a good salesperson, but making loads of money for people like Philip Green. <laughs> and I was just like, mm, don't really want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So and then that's when like the creative you sound like a bit of a martyr when you start talking about why your wife or others, but it's like it does start from a selfish point of yeah. view. Like, but then the the why for others grows, and with a product based business, <laughs> this is my absolute bugbear, is when people say, "My why? I started my business because I couldn't find what I was looking for on the market." No, <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> that is, Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, that is why every single product business starts. Therefore, it's not unique. And it's also all about you. So you could start there, mm. but then you've got to realize why you're doing it for others. Yes. And that is what will sell your business. Yes. I'm so glad you said that. You put that so well, because yeah. it's so true that often, you know, when before I had this kind of revelation with myself, I used to hear people talk about their wife brothers and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm such a dick. Like I run realistically, <laughs> money. you know, like the big reason I, I didn't start my business because I woke up one morning and thought, oh my gosh, you know what? I would just love to bridge the gap between being value driven and being successful. And like, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh, what a privilege to do that. No, I woke up like, oh, I'd really love the idea of building my own little empire and pushing myself to the limits and, and working on my terms. And I think it's very releasing to to hear what you just said of like, that's okay. And that's very, very normal, but it is then very good to acknowledge, you know, that's not what goes on my about page. That's not in my bio. No. If people ask me why I do it for me, I'll, t- I'll talk about it. It's not a secret, but people don't buy into that. You know, unless you are, no. I don't even think if you are a huge influencer that people love, they still, you know, no one loves you enough to make just your no. dreams come true. You need to, no. you need to sell a dream for them as well. Yeah, and even if it's the same thing. So if I wanted to spend more time at home, I therefore mm. now want to teach you how you can do that. Even if it's the same narrative, word of the podcast, yep. um, and then flip it back onto them, that's also fine. It doesn't have to be two different things, but just please don't make it all about you because that is that marketing cliche of the WIFM people are always tuned into it it's because it's like what's in it for me you don't go around Sainsbury's and think oh I wonder if Mr Sainsbury's is really enjoying having these brands in his shop you're like I want that I want that I want that Mm -hmm. I want that for my dinner I want that I me 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 and that is how all people shop all of the time and that's okay but as long as you realize that it's it's cool yes fully (laughs) 
Oh, I could talk about this all day. Um, yeah, this this is for this time next year, maybe. I'm here <laughs> Come for it. back again. Yeah, we'll just keep doing yearly yearly podcasts, checking in. Yeah. But I mean, like, even saying that, I feel like our approach to business is quite similar in that I could not, I would not bet any of my life savings on where my business is going to be in a year's time. Because no. us a year ago would have had no clue that this is what our businesses would have looked like. Now, important caveat, we knew that our why for us and our why for others was going to be, you know, more greatly achieved because that's, you know, you'd hope that's that's what everything's working towards. But I guess it's noting that the practical stuff of how we've scaled and how we're going to scale past this point, you know, none of that is mapped out in a five-year plan. And if that works yeah. for people listening, great. But in my experience, small businesses are at their best when you just allow yourself to respond react see what comes up but that's where that connection to your why matters because if you don't have that you're kind of just i mean yeah it's that's your chaos yes compass great great word for it Mm. let's talk a little bit about self-doubt a little friend because god running a business i feel like the mental and the practical are 50 50 you you go into a business and think okay i need all the practical help tell me what to do then you get the practical help, realize that, okay, I know what I need to do, but I'm still not doing it. So maybe there's some mental stuff in here. Um, yeah. And I feel like, you know, for both of our businesses, it's it's worth noting that the mental side has been a huge challenge. I hope, yeah, you're nodding along. That's true for you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you found that really challenging. Yeah. As we've, you know, grown and scaled and, and changed our business over the year, not even over the year, over the years, what for you has has been a big challenge mentally? What's been the biggest thing that's flagged up as you've made the moves that you've made this year? I think, I remember when I felt I've got a coach and I told her that I'd sold my first course. And I think on the first course, it made about three grand. And she was like, okay, cool. What are you going to sell to those people in the course? And I was just like, what? Like, give me a break. Like, I've just sold this course. Leave me alone. Mm-hmm. And it's just about not, I mean, this is my personal view. I'm not, I don't want to sound like Gary V because I do have a tendency to sound like him sometimes, but around not resting on my laurels or, no, or not allowing myself to get comfortable has probably been a learning curve mm-hmm. that that is how I did get stuck last time. So let's not do that again. Like, let's just keep on pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. I do take rests. I delete my Instagram every weekend or most weekends. I'm, I'm going on holiday next week. Like, I don't work in the evenings most of the time. Launch <laughs> uh, weeks um, uh, out of that equation. I was don't gonna worry. Say, yeah, this week is not the one. I've been <laughs> posting on Instagram at midnight. But I, as long as you know that that is for very short bursts, mm-hmm. And then other times you can take it easy. Yeah. I guess it's just not allowing myself to feel comfortable mm. for long periods of time. Is that kind of what you revert to? Do you have to keep yourself kind of reminded of, of yeah, not doing that? Yeah, I do have a bit of a tendency to think, I don't know, I was going to say lazy. It's not lazy. It's... um just thinking, oh, this is okay. Like, everything's fine most of the time. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I revert to sometimes. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. And what is it for you that shifts you out of that? Because it would be worth noting, we're completely allowed within our businesses to get to a point where we don't want to keep pushing for the next yes. thing and scaling. You know, I give people every permission to 
you know, build the business that you want. If you want to be fully booked with clients and leave it at that, you've probably not made it to right. this point in this episode because you've probably switched <laughs> off, but you know, <laughs> yeah. you do you. Um, but it obviously for you, although that's a tendency and maybe something you're drawn to doing, it's not what you want because you push yeah. through it. What is it like? What does that look like? when that flags up. I think the other thing was I had some resistance to having responsibility mm. because it that windier at the top thing. Again, I'd say to answer your question about what makes me do it is having a coach <laughs> because I probably wouldn't do it necessarily on my own. Yeah. It's like I always refer it to like having a PT, you know, when you go to the gym, mm. you walk on the treadmill for 10 minutes, watch this morning and then go home versus like... <laughs> Um, versus having a personal trainer where you come out bright red and then you can't walk the next day. Uh-huh. It's you. It's your choice which one you want to do. And so she said, I think the reason you're staying at this stage is because you don't want to have the responsibility of more people. Mm. And I was like, again, I feel seen. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I did a lot of, not even like journaling or anything. I just thought about it a lot. And I thought, no, going back to my wife for others, mm-hmm. I am prepared to take on that responsibility if it means that they can start earning money. Like the best DMs I get are like, um, one girl messaged me the other day saying she got 15 orders this weekend and that's more than she got for the whole of last year after having worked together. And I was just like, I get goosebumps when I get messages yeah. like that. And, I think fuck like go for this it. is what like, it's about mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like come on girl and I'll share all of these dms of people like that is what I'm talking about is for you to be doing the thing that you love like she had a part-time job at Tesco and was like I absolutely hate it and then I think she got a job in like a call center hated it but she is like the most talented artist and I just think about these people who may be sat in a call center that don't want to be there because they know they're talented and they have these skills and they're earning like eight pounds an hour but they can paint where they could be paint like hundreds of pounds an hour Mm -hmm. like that is what gets me fired up is when talent is wasted yes yeah and your wife for your wife for others is what kind of sets you back on fire or sets you back on track because I think as soon as as soon as you connect back with your why providing your why is true and the right one for you it kind of nothing else matters and I think no. that's the same way about, you know, any fears or, or worries that come up when you think about pushing to the next level. You know, of course, there's the constant fear of like, not well, I say, of course, for me, there's often this thing of like, oh, well, who am I to be doing that? Or, you know, mm. what's that random person that I haven't spoken to in five years going to think when they see that weird Instagram reel that I've just posted? And, you <laughs> yeah. know, oh, but what if what if no one buys it and it, it goes wrong? You know, those things some of them aren't but some are quite legitimate feelings and fears so it's not just going oh that's not true but sometimes it's just going okay but let me remind myself the you know what can go right instead of what can go wrong and when what can go right is a wine and impact that really aligns with you and you know gives you those goosebumps of like oh my gosh yes it's kind of that none of that stuff matters anymore it's not that it yeah. goes, it's just that you, no, you care more about... something outweighs it. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I'm Always. just circling back, completely feel you on the responsibility front. So I just want to tell ah, that I'm with you yeah. on it. Um, that's why for me, I, I do things in six weeks. I don't think I could do a program that's longer than that because I can me just neither. about get my head around. I need to be in this Facebook group for six weeks. 
replying yeah. to things every night for six weeks, coming up with content for six weeks, <laughs> six yeah. weeks. But like the thought of doing a membership, the thought of doing a mastermind, no. <laughs> it would not be no, for no. me because that ongoing energy and the ongoing responsibility, it, it, it weighs me down in a really stressful way. And I wonder if our podcast this time next year will be published. So, guys, if you want to sign up to our memberships, we've also got masterminds <laughs> and 12 month coaching program. I programs. can just see it now. Yeah. No, not for now. No. Anyway. But like, that's okay. I think for me, that was part of it as well as like I was slightly held back by all, oh, but my past self would really judge my current business. I don't, I, it was such a weird thing for me of like, oh, Alice of two years ago looked at the businesses. The business that I have now in the form of other people's I think she was a bit like mm, sell out you should just do coaching like coaching's the most impactful thing I don't really think you should do it that way and it was definitely a kind of just a, a thing to walk through of like you're allowed to change your mind but not even change your mind but just what Alice knew Develop. then yeah didn't was true for her you you know you grow and you learn and then your mm. your opinion and your feelings are allowed to change um, you should think about what Alice two years from now would think about your business now. Yeah, that's true. Rather than the Alice from two years ago, which she's been doing now. Yeah, that is so true. Because also, you've got to think about, this is another thing I think about when I'm driving, <laughs> is around creating the content that you enjoy. And it feels really uncomfortable to do that all the time. I, I don't believe it's ever comfortable to create the content that you enjoy viewing. And mm. so I use my dancing thing as an example. I used to have all clients, they would be dancing in their products and their clothes and like, this is how it makes you feel. And I was like, more dancing, more, 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 love, love that. Yes. Keep it, keep it going. Emoji, more dancing. emoji replies to the Instagram story. <laughs> yeah, like keep it up girls. And then I was just like, I love the dancing videos. So why am I not doing it? I would love, to, I would secretly love to be doing that, but I don't want to mm -hmm. because it feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then I was nearly sick when I posted it and now you can't get me off. <laughs> and sometimes it is that, isn't it? Like even from like another angle, sometimes I'll look at something someone's doing and I'll have this really like internal, but quite bitchy and jealous and annoyed judgmental. response, judgmental, that's it. And then totally. I talk myself through it because hello, like emotional self-awareness is a, a great tool <laughs> and go, oh, okay, actually I'm judging them because that's what I want to be able to do. And the second yeah. you understand that and then you can just force yourself to do it and you realize like, oh, it's way better when you just push through those go feelings. Cause like, yeah. imagine living a life where you're held back by the invisible and imaginary opinions and thoughts and feelings of people that don't exist or held back by the possible scenarios that may happen if you were to yeah. do something. Well, that's what we talk about in the course is like, it's none of your business what other people think. Mm. And in the same sense, if somebody wanted to know what you thought, like, like really was like pushing you, mm. you'd go, leave me alone. They're my thoughts. And so why are you doing that with other people? Like trying to imagine what everybody's thinking of you. That's so like, that makes me feel exhausted just thinking about it. And, you know, just why we do the self-belief sessions. Yes. Because I get very, uh, 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 very passionate about it uh -huh. but another example is when brands I'm sure you have it with clients when they say you know I just want to be really honest I want to be like really transparent and then something goes wrong and they don't want to share it and I'm like 
may I just remind you three months ago when we started working together, one of your brand values was honesty and transparency. You have to share this. If that's one of your brand values, then you've got to talk about it. Oh, no, I don't want to. That feels like I'm going to be sick if I say that or everyone's going to think this about me. Okay, then therefore it is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to create the content that you have enjoyed from other brands. Oh, I love this brand, how they always share everything behind the scenes. (laughs) Isn't it funny how different it is when it's you? You see someone else making amazing moves and you think, oh my gosh, go you. And then we think about sharing our own wins or doing it for ourselves. And it's like, oh, but who am I? No. Yeah. And it's like the course thing is, I guess I had this sort of epiphany that I thought, oh, nobody's going to want to buy a course from me. But... I have really enjoyed these like four, five, six week programs and I've got plenty of value out of that. Therefore, maybe my audience could as well. Mm -hmm. Like where has this idea come from? And you might be the same that you might have done a course in the past and think, okay, well, I did get loads of value from it. I don't have to work with one-to-one all the time. Why am I so judgmental of courses? (laughs) What do they ever do to me? (laughs) Yeah. So I would encourage people listening to just, take note of the things that you enjoy consuming Mm. whether it is courses or content whatever it might be and then think what would that look like for me to recreate that it might make you feel a bit sick but yeah that means it's probably good yes yeah I think a lot of the feelings that we can see as red flags are actually flags that you're going in the right direction I think feeling a bit terrified is a a really good sign and I was just thinking when you're saying that as well I think the the more your business grows and the closer you get to your why and the more quote unquote successful things get, whatever successful means to you, the more you're going to attract the people that are great for you. But you're also on the other side of that, which we don't always like to think of, going to repel the people that aren't. And I think that that's a, a learning curve as well. Like it's, you know, school teaches us that you're meant to be liked by everyone and friends with everyone. And what I'm not saying here is go and be a dick because it doesn't matter what people think of you. But it's okay that you won't be for everyone. And actually, yeah. if you're not for everyone, that's a good sign because it shows that you are for the people that you're for. Like you're saying, you're niched into to fashion. And if you weren't, you know, you're not for everyone, but that's what makes you for the people that you're for. The success yeah. of your business is that you're not for everyone. And that's okay. I always say my example of this is Debenhams. Debenhams were afraid to make a stand on the high street or like be a thing Mm. and they wanted to please everybody all of the time and look where it's got them like they're in administration they're probably going to shut down you go in there and you're like yeah everything's nice there's no emotion at all Uh if you said what do Debenham stand for you'd have no idea what you buy in there probably nothing and so even though everyone kind of likes Debenhams no one's buying from them Mm -hmm. and it's because nobody loves them and nobody hates them so the message is don't be Debenhams. Yes, don't be Debenhams. <laughs> I think that's a, a great note to end this conversation starter on. I feel like there's so yes. many things we touched on that when I listen back to this edit, I'm just going to be like, that's a whole other podcast episode. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast episode. Definitely think we should do some kind of Instagram live on like your why for you and your why for others. I'm writing it down. Great. Get in touch with me next week. Once you're over launch, we'll schedule it in. I think that'd be great. <laughs> yes. So on to our final and new feature, confession sessions. Today's one is an, an interesting one. I'm going to pre-warn people. If you have children around, I would encourage you to pause the podcast here, put it in your AirPods, whatever you want to do. I, it's 
it's not PG. So we're just putting a explicit warning before this story. I do have two, but we'll start with one. They're kind of along the, along the same vein, obviously anonymous. So this one says, I once sent a video of a guy about to eat a burger to 160 people via email in their company. That information was added later. Only it turned out not to be a burger. <laughs> I'm so sorry, mum. But in <sighs> fact, his scrotum and penis inside the burger box, which he flashes to the camera. My phone blew up. I had no idea I had attached the video. Whenever I see anyone who works at that company, they ask me if I fancy a burger. Their icon on their instant messenger was a burger for about two years. Lesson learned, make sure you don't have auto downloads of images. I hadn't seen the video until I got a gazillion messages afterwards, but there it was lurking. (gasps) No. (laughs) How awful. Oh no. (laughs) I don't have anything to add to that. I've never done something to that degree. No, I have. When I was at school, my might I add, I went to a, a bit of a bitchy all-girls school. Um, I, I'm sure everyone has done this. I like where you send a message about somebody to the person, but... Send it that, to the wrong person. That's as bad as it's got, I think, at school mm-hmm. as well, not even like as an adult. <laughs> I have sent... I've done the whole, like, send a screenshot to the person that you've just screenshot of thing. You're just oh, like, no. um, that was the thing. That was by accident. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we have another confession along the, 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 the same vein. I now feel icky saying vein because... Anyway, um, so this one says, I used to work in the whiskey industry and was hosting a group of 10 guys from Russia with a translator. I was in a distillery doing a presentation on the distillation, sure, processes, and their translator was amazing, but we got stuck on the word yeast. So I Google image search to try and get some pictures up, but the top search thing came up was yeast infections. My screen was shared to the big screen for presenting, Go Google image search yeast infection and imagine the ensuing confusion and mortification. Where have you got these stories from? <laughs> the dear listeners, they they have these in, in the archives. They're not I thought you were going to say the dear DMs. The dear the DMs. Loved... They were yeah. DM'd to me. I feel like screen sharing, every single time I screen share, I just panic. I look at my screen, I think like, yeah. what's in my notes app? I, I don't have anything weird on my computer, but you just... No. You never know. Yeah, what if something's misconstrued? Mm-hmm. Or like I've had messages come up before, like if you have WhatsApp on your laptop, I've had oh, messages yeah. come up from people whilst people are seeing my screen. Ugh. It's just a risky game. <laughs> yeah, no screen sharing, guys. This is And turn off auto downloads on your WhatsApp. Yes. And do, here's a tip that I've learned, do the screen sharing on Zoom where you just share like a thing so you can choose to just share safari or just share your notes instead of people can see the whole screen because then it gives mm. you i don't know it's a bit, bit less flexibility risky. there i do love it when yes. people screen like when a client screen shares my eyes are all over the screen all over I'm the like, shop what have <laughs> yes, you like what, what tabs have you got open what emails have you got what's in your calendar so nosy <laughs> yeah oh i've actually got a good one Go on. it's not me <laughs> my friend of a friend told me okay I won't even say where it was, but there was a kidswear manager who sent out a screenshot of her iPad 
saying, oh, here's some beautiful kids dresses that you should develop into. What she didn't realise was the other tabs that were open was like, you know, some research about HRT. Fine, fine. We're all women. (laughs) Why do I smell? Because I've... Is it something like... God, I don't know if you're going to have to edit this out. I don't know where this is going. Why does my vagina smell? (laughs) Is, Is the smell linked to menopause sweating in menopause and it was just like tab oh you think it can't get worse and then it gets worse (laughs) and then it was like another one and every nobody was looking at the dresses that they needed to develop like everyone's eyeballs were on the tabs and she was like a director of the company so did i'm guessing people don't you don't say anything in that situation do you no i mean i don't even work there and i know about it so i don't know (laughs) and now a thousand more people do (laughs) welcome to the podcast welcome my gosh i mean what a way to end the podcast definitely gonna need to mark this one explicit Mm, for those stories (laughs) to clarify to the listeners not all of the confessions need to be so extreme (laughs) and horrifying it can be something very surface level or do they i mean or do they the more extreme the better but if people want to send theirs they can pop me a dm or email um but yeah i feel like we enjoyed that extra segment (laughs) i'm liking it i'm thoroughly enjoying (laughs) it it's just it's it's everything i've ever wanted to host on a podcast (laughs) i'm loving it this has been quite the episode. I feel like we've touched on so much. Thank you for joining me. We'll we'll Thank have you. you back next summer and and see. It's not even summer anymore, is it? Autumn. No. That's sad. We'll share about our membership and um, mastermind. <laughs> yeah, we'll maybe like react back to stuff in this being like, yeah, yeah, contradiction. <laughs> one will have one and one will have the other. Yes. We'll, 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 we'll check in in Jan, see who wants which one and mm. then make a plan from there. Good. Nice. Yeah, well, I'm going to go. I've got nine minutes to put my makeup on. So we've smashed the timings. <laughs> well done for us. <laughs> cool. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, I loved it. Glad. As always. I was about to say no biscuit chat, but there actually was quite a lot of biscuit chat. Yeah. I've got, I'm going to leave you on a biscuit question. Okay. Do you prefer a jammy dodger or a jam sandwich that has cream? <gasps> Am I answering it or are you giving it to the listeners? Yeah. You answer I it. personally think I would go... Mm, I had a jammy dodger the other day and it was quite nice. Haven't had one for a while. I'd go jammy dodger, but you're shaking your head. Do we disagree again? <laughs> I think this might Link be another there. poll. Okay, another poll. When this episode goes out, two weeks time, you do one on your stories, I'll do one on mine. We'll settle. And then again, the deal is you got to send the other one, the winner's, the winner's choice. Correct. Yes. Great. Come to our Instagrams. <laughs> Please vote. Thank you very much. <laughs> See you there. <laughs> Bye.